Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, you know, guys? Yes. I have, I have the worst memory when it comes to movies. Even movies I love. <laughs> so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Always have. That would be, I, we still, I would love to have a guest sometime. I would love to have a guest who would come in and go, um, well, my first film is... Uh, Oh God! You know that one with a guy who I think he like robs a bank. <laughs> it's got great music. <laughs> uh, how how are you, sir? Thank you for joining us. I'm good. I'm I'm happy. Very very uh, great. Well, you must be pretty must be pretty busy uh, since your movie. Is. I am I am busier than I've ever been. One of the best pictures of the year. And, easily. Uh, easily. And uh, a story that needed to be told, and you really told it. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. We're here with Shaka King, um, uh, the, uh, the, the maker of um, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, director, co-writer. Um, yeah, easily one of my favorite films this year. Um, not not just a good movie, but uh, it's it's so refreshing to actually see a studio film that um, uh, doesn't mince its politics. You know, I, I've been sort of uh, half anticipating, half dreading this movie for. I don't know. Ever since I, ever since I heard about it, because you're like, oh God, how how are they gonna how are they gonna fuck this up? How are they gonna how are they gonna turn Fred Hampton into a you know a guy who believed in the system but just wanted to make a few changes or something? <laughs> you know, or the uh, the uh, oh God, or, you know that noble FBI guy who um, uh, really liked him and really liked him, him and <laughs> whose life is uh, we see him through his eyes. Uh, I, I, <laughs> so thanks for not making that movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm working with a guy named Jamal Joseph, who was one of the Panther 21 uh, back in the day. And it was one of those things where I'm like, I love the film. I, I'm sure I'm going to talk to him and go how much I loved it. And he's going to tell me what an idiot I am. He loved it. He absolutely loved it. Oh, he said, oh, yeah, he said I, the thing I, that he- I wondered. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just, you know, the funny thing is, Jamal Joseph, I was in a movie of his when I was like probably 13. Movie. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. film. I know. Yes, I was in that movie, like shooting around. Uh, oh wow! When the first film, I mean, probably the first film set I was on. Oh, that's amazing! Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's uh, he's great um, and a great filmmaker. But uh, yeah, he he, um, he he loved the movie. And the thing he said that that really struck me because it's not the kind of thing that would jump out to me, having not lived through that. He said he'd never seen anything where. Uh, uh, the the sense of fun they had, like these were all young guys, you know, and and girls, and it's like it's the first time we'd ever seen that world portrayed um, that included the fact that they had fun. And uh, that's amazing. Just, I always worried that we actually didn't include enough fun. Um, well, you know, but so it depends it's, on your idea of fun. <laughs> there was a <laughs> that's true too, um, but there was a certainly the camaraderie, which I think is what he was speaking to, you know, yeah. and. And there was a scene that we 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 found this beautiful bowling alley in Cleveland, like that basically remained untouched since like 1964. And we wanted to shoot just a silent scene that we were going to include in the montage of just but Deborah and Fred on a date and a bunch of Panthers around them just all hanging out at this bowling alley. And we just couldn't afford the time. Yeah. Didn't have the time. Uh. And it was something that was like really worried that we didn't have enough of those moments. Um, but thankfully we were able to just steal a few and, and I'm glad it came across. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it really did. And I won't spoil anything, but it is, there is an ending there. Uh, I just, the ending of the film is, is amazing. 
um, just the cut from the last thing you see to the last thing you find out. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> but but it's great. But um, as as I'm sure you know, we uh, we don't we don't talk to our guests about their work, so um, we'll we'll stop bothering you with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we wanted. To, I mean, you know, one of the things I love about doing this show is is you know, Joe and I see a movie that knocks us out, and it's like I I love to like let's stalk that guy and get him to come in and talk about movies. Um, how did we get out. here? How yeah. did we get to this movie? Yeah. How did we get it? Yes, exactly. So I was really curious to see here the kind of films um, that had inspired you when you were coming up. Well, you know, my favorite movie of all time is Goodfellas. Um, and I remember watching that movie with my mom when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah. And, <laughs> and it's weird because my, my mom watched, my mom wouldn't let me watch a lot of R rated movies, but she would let me watch for whatever reason some certain crime dramas and that was one that she she allowed me to watch and i just remember even i think from a young age thinking that it was one of the funniest movies i'd ever seen i just thought these guys were so damn funny um and when you rewatch that movie as you know as an adult and as a, as a filmmaker you realize that how intentional that was i mean even the fact that ray liotta is always laughing yeah that's one, that's like a go-to, that's an at reaction that he has so many times to, you know, horrific events that are framed in such a way where they're funny. You know, when Joe Pesci shoots Spider, that's, it's funny, you know? And it, it, it's just, it's one of those, it's just the macabre sense of humor in that film. It's astonishing and it's, it's you know, it speaks to one of Martin Scorsese's many gifts, but one of them being, his ability to find humor, his his dark sense of humor is impeccable for someone who is so clearly a dramatist, but also so clearly a funny person. But And also so much of the humor in his films has a sort of queasy undercurrent to it too. Like you you do find yourself laughing at things and you're like, oh, <laughs> these are but terrible is, I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on the person because like I don't find myself queasy at all. I'm really? just laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. yeah, I'm like, maybe I have a problem. Maybe I have a problem, but like this is not upsetting to me, you know. And I don't think he's intending for it to be. You don't um, think that it's sort of like an insight into um, you know, the kind of sociopathology of the characters. I mean, obviously the scenes are funny, but within the context of the scenes, it's like what well, these guys are Yeah, it's it's I think he he always frames those moments especially in casino mm. in such a way where it's distancing in a good way you mm. watch you know you're watching a piece of entertainment you know even when all these people are dying <laughs> terrible deaths you're not feeling the loss of that you're you're exclude you're in a you're in a piece of you're really in just watching a piece of entertainment Right. Which is why that movie is like a movie I can put on at any time of the day and enjoy yeah. put on at 4 a.m. It's my go-to like late night. I want to like, you know, watch something and not watch something or just like watch a scene that makes me kind of like laugh and then zone out for 15 minutes before I go to bed. Right. It, it's perfect for that. But, you know, when you when you find yourself in a dangerous situation, sometimes it's it's the absurdity of it that is you don't really pick it up at the time. But at the end, you realize it was... That was crazy. That was nuts. And now mm -hmm. I could have, I mm -hmm. could have been killed. It could have, it could have ended badly. Mm -hmm. But there's all, and I think he's really keyed into that about the, the the absurdity of violence and and you know danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. Even in the way he shoots, like you know, the violence in Taxi Driver, you know, or a lot of violence. It's just like there's a is a it's somewhat cartoonish, especially mm -hmm. Taxi Driver. Like yeah, you know that yeah, the end of that movie is just like. It's a graphic novel, you know? Yeah. But there's stuff like, I mean, I still, I, to me, the funniest scene in that movie, and I, I always feel bad laughing at it, is uh, Travis Bickle's terrible, terrible date. <laughs> you know, that he, he takes well, her to well, a well, porn theater. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, what is wrong with this? Like, 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 I know I've been watching a guy lose his mind. Yeah. This is the this is, height of that. Exactly. Yeah. This is so much more disturbing. Right, <laughs> right. She'll really enjoy this. Yeah. I'll take it to those. 
Yeah, exactly. And you sort of feel for him too. It's like, oh, dude, oh no. <laughs> but it's yeah, an it's, love, it's an I love Lucy moment. Kind of, yes, yes. That time, <laughs> that time, Ricky took Lucy to the porn theater on Times Square. <laughs> Hilarity ensued. Um, but yeah, that's a fantastic one. That's a great, great, uh, great one to begin with. What's uh, what's next? Um, some more movies. Uh, the Friends of Eddie Coyle is a big oh, one yeah. for me. Yeah, yes, that's a big one. Um, fantastic. Where um, where did you, did you first see that? Like on video recently, or I feel like it was hard to find. For I watched time. that. I watched that in grad school when oh, I was okay. um probably like 10 years ago was when I first saw that movie. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's such a, such a simple film Mm -hmm. and so simply shot. And the dialogue is the most, some of the just realist, most naturalistic sounding dialogue I've ever heard in a film. It just, I'd never heard folks talk that way. You know, the way Robert Mitchum's monologues in that film, the monologue that he gives about, you know, how he got his, how his hand, you know, had his knuckles broken, you know? Um, and just this, there's just so many like one-liners, you know, like there's, there's that one line the guy has, he's such a good character, the guy who's selling guns. And, you know, he asks somebody about something and he's like, you know, about what he's into, like cars or something like that. And he's like, yeah, I was in that before I started making money. You know, right. it's, like, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's it's just, uh, yeah, the dialogue in that film is just special to me. Um, and the performances and, yeah, you know, so just the way that they throw things away. Mitchum's amazing. The guy, what's the, uh, Peter? Peter Boyle. Peter where? The guy from Peter Boyle. Peter, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the just the nonchalance with which he, throws this guy under the bus and then kills him at the end with no, I mean, he sounds exactly that he's one note the whole time. You know, he's a pleasant guy. He's pleasant when he's setting this guy up. He's pleasant when he's killing him. He's pleasant the whole time. You're just like, this guy is frightening. He's yeah. the reason that Eddie pulled out pinched in the first place, you know? Um, and along those same lines, thinking of characters like that, somewhat similar, you know, to mention another movie, A Prophet, you know? Oh, I love A Prophet. Yeah. Oh. French film. That yeah. villain, the 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 the, yes. the antagonist in that film, just the way that he, you know, you couldn't tell. You watch the movie, you don't know if he's going to scoop this guy's eye out with a spoon or caress his cheek. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he could do either thing at either moment, you know? Yeah. Just frightening, frightening characters. I love I love that kind of stuff because, you know, it, it it's it's building in suspense through performance, mm-hmm. um, which is just you know a real gift when you have an actor who can do that. You know, Jesse can do that. Jesse can really do that a lot. That's one of Jesse's gifts. Jesse Plemons. Oh, sure, yeah, 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 well. absolutely. Well, he's also yeah because he can got... build in suspense with this with restraint. Yeah, you know, and he also he has sort of a, a kind of pleasant demeanor. That that lulls you in, um, so that when he's playing exactly. somebody awful, it's a surprise. Yeah, yeah. But I love that that kind of thing. Even though he's done it a million times, he's done it even, and so you know he's going to do it. You're just waiting. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's it's you want the great guitar solo. You bring in Eric Clapton, who's done it a thousand times. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, bad analogy, but um, uh, yeah. But I love that with with actors, especially in a prophet. You mentioned that I was thinking there's so many scenes where every time that guy walks in. It takes me a second to remind myself how awful he is. He's like, oh, that guy, I like that. Oh, yeah. wait, no, I don't like that guy. <laughs> no, it's like something yeah. bad is going to happen. You just wait for it. And, and, and the more avuncular he is, the more you worried you get. Yeah. yeah. The no, closer, the nicer he's being, the more you, the, you're yeah. like, now it's, it's a cobra. He's the cobra. Run! Yeah. Yeah. He's going to yeah. strike really quick. Yeah. And he's also the fact that he's, that he's so much older than this guy. And not physically intimidating, mm-hmm. but just psychologically has such a hold on them, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um that's a movie that we don't discuss that much on this show. Yeah, I don't think it's come up. It's interesting. It's such a good one. It's before. so yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's you know, I don't think Ryan Kugler would mind me saying that's Ryan Kugler's favorite movie too. 
It's not really? my favorite movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. That's Ryan Coogler's favorite movie. It's an astonishingly good film. I mean, I, I went in, it had been hyped to the heavens when I saw it. And I thought all this movie can do is disappoint. And it actually exceeded my, my expectations. It's a phenomenal yeah. film. Yeah. yeah. It holds, holds up against The Godfather, I would say. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, that's obviously on my list. Um, you know, I, I picked part two. Uh, oh yes, but they're both you know incredible. Um, I think I like part two just because you know John Cazale is such a big part of it, and he was one of my favorite actors in everything he was in. Um, you know, I mean, The Godfather. There's, there's nothing that you know. I, I love Salazzo too. <laughs> I love Salazzo. It's a lot. He's one of my favorite. I love just like I love those. I love. Those guys, those characters in those old movies where you go, so you either were going to play this guy in a movie or do something completely different in life. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like those actors where you just go, what, where did this person come from? You know, yeah. um, it's like uh, the actor who played, he's in, um, he's famous for Rocky. He plays, you know, Adrian's brother, but he's also great oh, in Bert Young. Greenwich Village. Oh, Bert, Bert, Young, yeah. Bert Young, you're like, you're like Bert Young, you were either going to be an actor or you were going to work the docks. Like there was no in between. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know? Um, I love those kinds of actors, you know, just yeah. like they feel like they feel like real people. You, know? you can you can always smell um, the sweat on Bert Young. You know, it's like <laughs> he's just he's a sweaty guy. It's amazing. He's just. <laughs> So true. It's he, and he, I don't remember not seeing him sweat in the movie. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe, you can tell me if I need to cut this later. I many, many, many years ago, I was going door to door for uh, an environmental group in Los Angeles, and I ended up knocking on Burt Young's door, and he came to the door in his underpants. Yeah. And he's the hairiest, roundest <laughs> man you've ever seen. It was, it was, and he just stood there like it was the most normal thing in the world. That like you know, like you should reasonably expect Bert Young and his tidy whiteies to be answering this door. It was, uh, <laughs> was he friendly? He was very friendly. I think he may even have given me money too. I don't yeah. remember. It's well, a are. long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to cut it. <laughs> okay, but uh, I could just see if I were Bert Young, I might just sit around all day in my underpants waiting for somebody to knock on the door just to fuck with them. You know, well, it could have been a job. You know, <laughs> not, I don't think that's how it works. But you never know. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love those guys. I love those great character actors. Yeah. Uh, have yeah, you seen the John Cazale yeah. documentary? I have. I have. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's really, it's so good. Um, he's amazing. Okay. Um, love him in Dog Day, obviously, as well. Yeah. I think that's probably my favorite role of his. Um, mm. You know, I, I mean, I when I was thinking of my, my list of movies, I was, Sidney Lumet, he's probably got three on there. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd say probably Dog Day. Um, network and uh i have to pick a third serpico or i'd probably fight between serpico and prince of the city mm -hmm. um you know yeah. serpico has one of my favorite scenes the scene where um al pacino brings he brings the that drug dealer in, you know and and he's just like had enough and he puts him in the you know he, he thinks he's like put this guy in a holding cell and he comes upstairs and like the guy's like having coffee or like donuts with, with some the of the other cops. cops. Yeah. And he's like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? And he goes insane getting that guy in that cell. And like that scene, he, he, is, he does this thing with this chair. <laughs> he like, he's like puts the chair to sit down and then he slams it again. And I, I just remember watching that scene and thinking to myself what it must have been like to direct it um in terms of and obviously it was a different time but just how how comfortable those actors were with one another whether al pacino said to the actor he was acting against hey i'm gonna go for it like for real for real this time or if it was just you know go ahead and we're acting so like and you know in those days you you read sitting lumet's book and he talks about slapping you yeah. know someone he talks about slapping a, a a woman i believe to make her cry and you're like that's insane um but, you know, movies were made in a very different way 
um, you know, when, when they were making movies. So I just look at certain scenes in films and I wonder how, uh, how much of that did they clear up prior, beforehand? Right. Or how much of that did they just allow to happen in the moment? You know? They used to tell Jackie Cooper that his dog had died to get him to cry. <laughs> oh my God. It's true. How, how often would that work? I guess it only worked the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like when you got to dole out sparingly. <laughs> oh my God, that's terrible. But yeah, and then, yeah. and then there are those actors who sort of thrive on that, though, who like to, you know, who like the surprise, who like the tension, who like the... the yeah, the reality of doing, the reality of, you know, the reality of doing. Um, yeah. You know, another movie on my list that... I feel like encapsulates that is Battle of Algiers. Oh yeah. It's, it's one where movie. you look at that movie and you go, Oh, how do you do this? <laughs> you know, like this feels real. This yeah. feels real. very real. Completely real. Yeah. How did you manage to make something just so incredibly visceral and very like true verite narrative filmmaking, if there is such a thing? I think there are only two actors um, in the movie, actually. The, the French um, officer uh, and one other yeah, guy. John Renoir, yeah. Are, are real actors, but, yeah. but everybody else was right off the street. It's, it's just truly incredible. Um, you know, it's, and some of these, the faces, the way that, I mean, the faces in the film are, you know, Ali Lapointe has one of the greatest faces for a movie ever. You know, there's that shot in the film when he, when he, um, I think it's after you first meet him, when he's like gotten in a fight with the guy who tripped him and he's being hauled and they, you know, all these like white people around him like swarmed and they started beating him up and the cop comes and pulls him off. And the camera just holds on his face as he's walk as he's being led to the patrol car. And uh, the voiceover underneath, you hear them listing his past arrests, previous arrests, and you just stay on his face. And you know in that moment you're you're seeing someone who's been who's essentially been radicalized. Like you you saw mm -hmm. he, like he got beat up by those guys and he was like, that's the last fucking he was like, this is the last straw. And they're they're hauling up and you see it. It's just one of those things where you the economy, yeah. the economy of filmmaking in that movie. In all those old movies, that's why I think I gravitate towards, you know, I mean, they, obviously a lot of filmmakers do it today too, but it's so, it was so second nature, it feels like, to the films of the you know, 70s and late 60s. The economy, um, probably bore out of just not having enough resources to, mm -hmm. you know, exposition the movie to fucking death. You know what I mean? So it's just like, how does every, how do you make every moment count? And I feel like that's a movie that it, it, it's one, it's just one of the most economically well-told, real feeling movies I've ever seen. It's not the most. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think I, first time I saw it, I was too young to understand what I was looking at. And I thought it was a documentary, um, which is an, an easy mistake to make with that thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, amazing film, amazing film. Uh, what's what's next? On the same, on the, on those same lines, uh, so a movie that I actually watched after making this film, and I some sometimes wish I'd watched before making it because, along with Battle of Algiers, I think it's probably the greatest political thriller of all time, and that's Z. Yeah, um, Z is like. And that movie is, God, Jesus Christ. The end of that movie, it's funny because I watched the end of that movie and I, I just, my, my mouth was on the floor because the movie, it has a ton of style. It has, you know, they, they, they let you know from the beginning, this is a movie with crazy style. This way they introduce the medals and the opening credits. You're like, okay, this is going to be a fun watch. And you watch it and it's like, it's a weird film and it's like Battle of Algiers in a lot of ways where a lot of political thrillers, the main character is the, is the political thriller. It's the, is that, that plot, plot line, you know, you don't learn, and all those films that are kind of looking at 
in, in indicting a system, it's most of the time they're not trying to invest you in the characters in a traditional mm-hmm. way where they're it's not their concern. They're more they're more so they're, they're, the characters are being conveyed through their performance primarily. Mm-hmm. Yes, I get what you're saying. That's yeah. really is the performance is 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 there, which you know I think other films do too, but they they do a lot to support that. You know, they they give a lot more real estate to that um, from a narrative perspective. Z doesn't do that. Valid Valid doesn't really do that. You connect to those characters through the performance, and it's weird because they have so many characters that you have to keep track of, but you do. You keep track of them and they they remind you very cleverly, you know, like that's that guy, that's that guy, that's that guy. But you connect to them really through just the actors. And so it's crazy when you get to the end of a movie like Z, where you haven't really connected to these people emotionally, <clears throat> but you have connected to this, this anti-fascist feeling that permeates the entire movie. And you get to the end and you find out all these people that you've watched who you don't really remember that well, just their fate. And they, they give you this, the most amazing bait and switch, you know, like you see this, this, this magistrate who's like really just like got a really strong moral compass and he's fighting the good fight and he's, he indicts all these, these generals. And then you find, then you find out essentially in, in an epilogue that everybody on the side of, the, of, of good He's either dead or exiled or sent to prison. And the generals take over and they ban everything. (laughs) Like it's all, all that information comes to you in voiceover and text. And you're just like, holy shit, you know? And I I referenced that film because after I watched it, I I watched that movie after we made our movie. And I was like, that's what we were trying to do with our movie. And I think we did a, a good job of where it's like, I'm going to set you up with this and then I'm going to give you this and then I'm going to give you that and then I'm going to give you. So it's just at the end, it's almost like, you know, um, you know that song Asia by Steely Dan. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the end of Asia, you know, that drum break at the end of Asia, there's a drum. It's like a famous drum break. It's this, it's just like, it's a, it's a crazy drum break where you just, it just goes 20. The song is just, you don't know that that's coming at the end of that song. The song is just kind of coasting along. It's like real easy jazz. It's almost like early smooth jazz. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, not my fa- it's not one of my favorites really then songs up until the drum break. But then the drum break comes in and it goes in 20 different directions in like a matter of seconds, you know? I love when a when a when the end of a movie does that to you, and Z absolutely does that to you. Yeah, there's there's yeah, it's not a lot of um, usually a lot of those sort of textual epilogues, especially are fleshing things out a little bit or just sort of letting you know things that you know are nice to know, not essential. I mean, I love it in like Animal House. It's like it's not plot essential; it's just funny as shit. But yeah, it's rare that something like that. Uh, has the kind of wallop that it does in that film, or again, without spoiling anything, in your film, um, it's uh, yeah. no. I thought the movie was over, and then this, and then that, and I'm going, holy shit! These guys have been sitting on this for two hours. <laughs> it's, exactly, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah but that's that's. Exactly. I mean, I, I love I love that you saw it after you did your film. That's that's great. Didn't, didn't recognize that uh, that similarity. Um, uh, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, what's up? King of New York is one. Oh. King of New York by Abel Ferrara. Yeah. I love that movie so much. I think it's just it's one of the best shot movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I, mean, I can't believe how much money he made it for. Um, it's just so 
damn beautiful and um, surprising, you know, and just has really, you know, some of the best actors of that era. It's crazy. You know, yeah. Um, In small parts. Too, yeah. Yeah. Steve Buscemi is just like barely, you know, he's barely in it. Wesley Snipes. You know, he's in it, but it's a small role. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne steals it. Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne steals that movie. Fishburne's in a whole nother he steals everything. zone in that film. Yes. <laughs> he's just in a whole nother zone. Um, and then it has like just, it's just, a, I mean, I'll never forget the first time I watched that movie and you, you're at the cop's funeral and you see the limousine pull into the cemetery and you have no idea. You're like, why am I looking at this? You know, you think it's just a person attending the funeral. And then Frank White rolls the window down and you're like, at a fucking cop's funeral. It's, it's like the craziest. <laughs> you're like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> you know, like who does this? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a, I think it's a, a, a noir masterpiece. It's an amazing film. I, I rewatched it recently because it came out. I think, oh, I don't want to say get it wrong. It, somebody put it out on a beautiful new Blu-ray. And um, uh, it was just so nice to see it looking so good. And yeah, it's it's an odd one. I think um, it's got a commentary from Ferrara, who's always a crack up to listen to. And like one of his biggest gripes is that there are scenes in the movie where the actors are just doing the script. Wow. <laughs> like, ah, oh, fuck this shit with this fucking script. Ah, I like um, scenes where like people are screaming at each other and no one knows where it's going to go. <laughs> so he's like apologizing for scenes where like great actors have rehearsed it or delivering their lives to each other perfectly. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like Amazing. Sloppy, Amazing. But yeah. I love that movie. It's, it's, uh, and John Walken is just incredible in it. It's, it's yeah. some, he's got such a, yeah. I, I can't, he's got such an amazing weird energy and there's so few films that like really fully, capture it along with his kind of weird sweetness too you know and you like frank white yes you like you genuinely like that yes. man, and he's <laughs> does weird and horrible things yeah yeah great great stuff great great stuff is is everything um uh is there anything on that list that doesn't involve um people killing people i'm wondering <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I, my, I love the crime drama. Um, well, no one dies an old boy. Uh, it's a violent movie. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, love no old one boy. dies. Um, Wait, is that yeah, true? I love Wait, old boy. No, people die an old. I mean, boy. people probably people die, but they're not consequential characters. Okay. Uh, actually, that's not true. His friend gets stabbed. His friend gets stabbed to death with a with a broken CD. A guy gets his throat slit with a with a broken CD. Um, and I, I assume some of those people in the hallway fight did not come out well, but yeah, no, that's an amazing. And that's and it does end with the antagonist blowing his brains out in an elevator, I believe. Uh, but aside but, from that, so, it's got relatively. Aside from that, it's <laughs> that one's for the whole family. Um, um, I, but no, I, I, I got some on there. Network is one, and Crooklyn is another. Both of those oh, are movies I love. No, Crooklyn. no death in those. Crooklyn, I, I want. I want to get know, to Crooklyn, Crooklyn in a minute, but kid, let, let's talk about Old Boy before we get to Crooklyn. Um, yeah. yeah uh, did yeah. you did you see it in a theater when it came out? Was it something you were expecting? And uh, so in the theater. A friend of mine had recommended it for about, like he saw it at, at a film festival and he recommended, he was just for a year, he was just like, wait, when it comes out, go see it. You got to see it when it comes out. And so I went knowing nothing. I, it was the first Korean film I've ever seen. Oh, wow. And Television I think I sat, I sat in the theater for like a long time afterwards because I didn't know that you could make a movie with that kind of tone. Meaning, any fucking tone you want. That's what I was going to say. What? <laughs> at any, how, how would you at describe any moment that you tone? want? <laughs> yeah. Any tone you want at any moment you want. I've yeah. never seen anyone quite just go for it that way, um, and pull it off. I mean, it's the the filmmaking. It's some of the best filmmaking of all time. The editing, the the just. The, 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 what he's putting together, the past in his mind, and he's walking through the 
the school and, it, and it's intercutting between the past and the present. It's like astonishing the filmmaking in that movie. Yeah. It's the, it's some, it's, it just, and it immediately, I was like, I gotta watch everything this man has ever made, you know, and then I did. Uh, <laughs> and anything he makes, like, open, he has my money opening night, you know, yeah. um, and, and, you know, and, and watching his films led me to, you know, obviously watching Bong Joon Ho's movies. And I remember the first time seeing Memories of Murder oh, wow, and just yeah. being like, that's a, it's a, it's a, that's another one where, you know, just drop kicks in a restaurant out of nowhere by this, by like, it's hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, like guys singing karaoke drunk and then this like cop just comes out of nowhere and drop kicks his, his, his coworker, you know, just the, the humor, just the, just the, I'm going to put a joke anywhere I want, you know? Um, and I'm going to get serious whenever the fuck I feel like it. Um, and I just, that for me was when I was like, because, you know, I was in film school at the time and I I had an interest in making movies that combined different tones. Like I, I wanted to be funny when I wanted to be funny, I wanted to be dramatic when I wanted to be dramatic. And when I watched those films, I was like, oh, I can, I, I feel safe doing, to tr- I feel safe trying these things. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. No, he's, uh, uh, those guys are amazing. And it's such an incredible film industry over there. I mean, clearly they, recognize artists and how to let them, you know, give them, give them enough rope to do what they need to do. It's, uh, yeah. Um, I, I briefly, I, I was supposed to work on a project with Park Chan-wook uh, shortly after old boy, he was going to do an American film and it just, it, it collapsed and burned uh, due to studio stuff, but it was just so heartbreaking. I got to meet him once and talk to him. And it was just like, the, what was he like? He was very, he was very, well, mostly I would talk to a translator, but every now and then he's speaking, but he was just, very soft-spoken and, uh, I mean, just brilliant, you know, just, just brilliant. Um, but, uh, ah, God, I would, I would, I would uh, you know, I would kill for that one to have gone. But, yeah. These things, um, cool. But yeah, Crooklyn, if we could shift gears, I, I don't, no one's ever brought up Crooklyn on the show, have they, Joe? No, I don't think so. It's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I gotta, I gotta isolate, do the right thing because it's its own thing. But outside of that, I, Crooklyn is weirdly like my favorite Spike Lee film, and it's, <laughs> it's um, the kids. The kids are it's some of the best at casting. The kids are astonishing. They feel real. That family feels yeah. incredibly real. Um, you know, it just those kids, those perform. I, I, it's, I love movies. I was talking. I remember Daniel saying something about child actors about how his favorite actors are child actors because they're not acting. They're just really, right. you know, experiencing mm-hmm. these things. Yeah, just being. And, you know, the kids in Crooklyn feel like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, it's great work by Alfie Wooded and Del Lindo and the, the music and the, the, the environment all feels authentic. Um, you know, it was also shot around the corner from where I grew up. So I remember going and like seeing the set, um, when I was a kid and just seeing people out there and that being like enthralling, you know? Um, but yeah, did I just you, love, I just love the performances of the children so did much. Did you decide by, cause you visited sets? Did you, is that when you decided that's what you wanted to do? No, I didn't, I didn't get into filmmaking until I was in college. Um, but I, you know, my mom, she wrote plays. My dad directed, or my dad rather produced mm-hmm. um, some some plays for her when I was in high school. I used to work backstage, mm-hmm. you know. So I was around, um, I was around acting quite a bit. Actually, like Michael K. Williams' first acting was in a play my mom or my dad produced. Oh, wow. I remember him from when I was a child. Um, so you know, cool with Mike to this day. Um, but yeah, yeah. I love I love child actors. Uh, have you all yeah. ever and seen a movie, a movie that wasn't on my list? But have you ever seen a movie called Capernaum? Oh yeah, it's terrific. I don't know what that is. Oh my god, you got to see that it's, movie. It, it was, it's very that recent. movie. It's just two years ago. Yeah, one year ago. That that has the two best performances by a child actor of all time in the same movie. One of them is the lead. The kid's probably like I don't know, ten years old. This kid is. It's, it's that, that it reminds me actually of another movie, Chop Shop. You ever seen Chop Shop by mm-hmm. Ramin, Ramin Barani? 
Yeah. Yes. That kid, you see how that's just a kid working, <laughs> you know, like a kid hustling. This is like that times a trillion because this child actor is so charismatic and funny and an adult. It's almost like, it's almost like the, the kid in Gloria, in the original Gloria, mm -hmm. but like more sophisticated in some ways. Um, and then it features a one-year-old who is one of the best actors I've ever yep. seen. And you can, no. you can attest to that. No. I mean, this, this is a one-year-old. That's not possible. That's not possible. No, no, it's, it's, you, it's you, digital. You think, it's a digital child. You think child. it must be animatronic, but it's not. <laughs> I got to see the one year old acting his ass off. This is the Lebanese yeah. film. I'm just looking at that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, I need to see it. But, but the thing with Crooklyn too, is it's got the best review I ever read of it. And I feel like that movie just came and went like somehow people were expecting, you know, something else from, from Spike Lee and his sister, Jouad co-wrote it. Um, or maybe yeah. she's the primary writer on it. And the, the best review I read of it said, it feels like a first time film in all the best ways. Yep. You know, because he yep. was so at the peak of his craft then, but it's just got that 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 beautiful vibe and the thing he that shipped it down. It's just like yeah. a simple it's the simplest film. It's the yeah. simplest, you know, movie. It's like <clears throat> it's just behavior. Yeah. The whole movie. Yeah. It's not a ton of it's not a ton of plot. And it doesn't need it. Yeah. You know. And it, and and memories, you know. I mean, it's uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. I just like that. That that is one of my favorite scenes in that movie. And it's just kids playing Rock'em Sock'em yeah. Robots. But yeah, no, because it, it it it. I grew up in West Philadelphia, which looks a lot like Brooklyn. And you know, it was the first time I'd ever seen a movie about sort of an era and a place that I was familiar with that felt like something I knew. And I because I remembered like Days and Confused came out. It was about the same era, more or less. And all these people would be like, oh, it's like growing up in the 70s was like, I'm like, we didn't have a car, we didn't have a football team, we didn't get an idiot. I don't I can't relate to that movie at all. And then I see Crooklyn, and I'm like, oh, glue sniffers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, this is my childhood. It's it's so good. And also, I guess it might it's my favorite use of that. Um uh does he do it in every film or almost every film? That that great Spike Lee tracking shot. Where he puts an actor on. Yes, it's to the glue that He puts it on the glue. He puts it on the glue sniffers, and then they're upside down. Such a great shot! It's such a great <laughs> shot. I love that moment. And it's chasing so the girl. Good. I love that yes. moment. It's so dope. It's it's also my favorite. That and you know, obviously Malcolm X is when it's referred to most of the time. Yep. But I love that Crooklyn one. I love that Crooklyn moment. That's kind of yeah. For some reason, that's the one I will go back to again and again. And it just feels like yeah, it's yeah. just something. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. And that one, I believe. Uh, uh nobody killed in that one no one dies in brooklyn and old no one's boy killed. Are your two, no one's are killed your, no one's, no killed. one's that's killed, true but, but, that's but true. someone dies yes 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 someone dies but no one's killed and escape death yes so so crooklyn and yeah. old boy are your uh your family recommendations those are my those are my yeah, those are my family <laughs> <laughs> ah, fantastic and then um uh wait what was the other one you mentioned something with crooklyn network network Network, network, network. Yeah. You know, it's just um another one tonally where you just go, you just, how did you bounce? Like, how do you find that tone? You know? I know. Um, when they, when they're all sitting together it, in the, in the boardroom and they say, well, I guess we'll just have to kill him. Yeah. And it's, and it's just, it's <laughs> tossed off. Like we're going to, I guess we should take out the garbage, you know? Uh, and, yeah. and, and it yeah. seems so, ridiculous and yet it just seems to be so believable that yes that's exactly what they would do yeah those people yeah and it flies by every time you're like okay wait wait what sorry what did he say <laughs> the scene the scene and, with the, the scene with ned Beatty telling him what how the world works is probably yes the, the key yes. scenes in movies in the last 30 years because yeah. it's true yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, all it's, true yes movie's gonna stop for three minutes and tell you how the world works <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. scare the shit out of you. It's, it's also trippy how um the performances in that movie are there's almost like so you have Ned Beatty, you have the the actor who plays um the one who's who's hooking up with Faye Dunway and and William, William, William Holden. Actor. He's yeah, William Holden. William Holden. Yep. He and Ned Beatty are almost in one movie, right? 
they're giving one kind of performance. And then Robert Duvall and Faye Dunaway and um, blanking on his name. Peter Finch. Uh, Peter Finch. They're in a whole nother movie. <laughs> but they're not, but their acting doesn't feel broad in a way. It's like, it feel, still feels real, but it's just slightly pitched different. So you have this movie that's like crazy because their behavior is just through the roof and the, the, you know, the things they're doing are insane and the performances are a little heightened, but then you have these other characters, you know, William Holden really being, you know, Ned Beatty has like one of the parents down there, but, but William Holden really being the anchor who's kind of like, this is real. This is a real scenario you're engaged. Um, yeah, just, I, I remember watching that movie and, a lot of it, obviously, I think you have to give to obviously Patty Chasky too, because you see this tone is in the hospital too. Yes. Um, yeah. Which he also wrote. It's a similar, similar tone where you're just like, and it's also in like, even though he didn't write this, but Little Murders is like this too. Little Murders is almost the like, the, the like pinnacle of that in a lot of ways. It, it kind of amps it to 11. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it exactly. becomes completely exactly. insane. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a fantastic yeah. film. But within it, real it just feels you know i love i love i love watching movies go for that and pull it off you know yeah yeah i always wonder because like network is you know obviously as screenwriters we all revere it a because it's beautifully written and b because the opening credit is network by petty chesky which all <laughs> all movies should start with but but um i always wonder when i'm watching it in a movie like that it's so densely and beautifully and specifically scripted um you know obviously it's the exact opposite of what abel ferrara is looking for because <laughs> it's all actors having to just get their lines down and nobody's improvising nobody's changing a word but it is tonally odd it is not it's hyper real it's it's hyper stylized um as a director okay i got two of you here like what what do you do to ensure that your cast is able to not just find the tone of the script, but operate on that same level together. So they're not throwing you out of the movie. Is there, is that just trusting good actors? Is that well, if casting is, as we all know, 90% uh, of the work. Yeah. If you cast the movie correctly, you don't have to do a lot of directing, but with, with, a, with a movie like, like network, which is such a specific kind of tone, yeah. uh, obviously they're familiar with Chayefsky and they know what, they know what they're getting into. And, and they're all plum parts, you know? I mean, we, we, you can bet that when Dunaway took that part, she's thinking, I'm gonna win a fucking Oscar. This is a great part, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man, that's uh, no, Exactly, it, it's, it's like, I find, it's, I find that it's rare, if you cast right, if you cast well, you don't have to discuss tone so much because just when you start discussing tone, then it's no longer real. Then you're, you're, at, you're putting the actor in their own head. You don't want to say, right. it's almost like directing an actor and say, play this funny. You don't ever want to tell an actor that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to let an actor, you know, like literally a, a good actor will tell you to go fuck yourself. And, you know, a, another actor will just try that and start yeah. giving you a terrible performance. Yeah. Um, and so, I try to avoid, unless an actor comes to me specifically asking me, what's the tone here? And then I'm probably still going to give them an answer that's nebulous enough that they find their own tone. Find their own. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't, yeah. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want anything prescriptive. I don't want any prescriptive acting. No, it has to, has to come organically out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like that would be terrifying, though, on a, on a film like that. I guess I mean people do Shakespeare the, all the time. That's the fun part. That's yeah. the that's the that's the fun part is to be surprised by what they absolutely is the is the a hey, can we pull this off? Yeah, can we do it? Yeah, is the thrill, you know? And I think that's one of the reasons that act directors like to work with child actors because there's they're always surprising. They're 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 full of surprises. They they'll they'll take a scene in a in a in an area that you would never even think of as an adult. To do and they don't do it out of any careful consideration it just comes out and is real yeah yeah so your picture was made for a studio yeah 
how, how it's it's a very unusual studio picture. Yeah, let's in let's, these days. Let's break yeah. character and talk yeah. about that because I was boggled by that fact. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know how you I don't know how you managed. I've worked with those same people many times, and um, and the last couple of times I worked there was not pleasant uh because there was just a lot of people telling me what to do people who wouldn't go see the movie if you you know on their own there's well it's not my kind of movie but here's what you should do um but how did you get past all that stuff well i mean it starts with having ryan Kugler and charles king as my producers um to work with me on on bringing this forth and so you know we developed this script with my co-writer Will Burson um, over the course of a year, and fought my you know I I'm coming from an indie movie. My last movie was three hundred thousand dollars. I've been since then I've been directing TV, and um, you know as as you know, TV is a writer's medium. So mm-hmm. I get an opportunity to direct another feature in the director's chair. I'm just like chomping at the bit. This is my movie. I've now I've never made a studio film. I don't know about the development process. So I go into the development process with Ryan and Charles and they're giving me notes. And our first call was a 10 hour call. Our second call was an eight hour call because I was not used to developing material with that many other people. It wasn't just them on the, it wasn't just them. It was the folks who work for the respective companies. And mm-hmm. so I, and, and to their credit, they were very patient with me. You know, they let me do that for a while, <laughs> you know, and then they incrementally, you know, Brian was great about, he, he'd made this transition, you know, right. and he just, so he knew, okay, I got to let this guy, you know, I got to like, I got to let him gradually see that this is not the way things can go for however many years it takes to develop this process to develop this screenplay you know and so eventually i remember the call he had we had it was changing my life he was like you know look you can keep this i have like the sixth draft and be like you know changing two words <laughs> you know like not <laughs> like not really you know and he was like you can do it this way or you can and, and the movie won't get made um you know the student no studio will take it on if you're behaving this way you know or he was like, you know, you can challenge yourself to get the movie you want and satisfy all these other notes, which, yes, they do contradict one another, but that's how they are. That's how things are. Trust me, I've done it twice. Like, that is, you have to figure that out. He was like, and you can kind of take it as a challenge. He was like, and me, he was like, me for one, I like to be challenged. I'll never forget that sentence. I was like, oh, that's, that's how you get me to do it. Mm-hmm. You make it a competition, you make mm-hmm. it like, like I got I okay, because I I grew up playing sports. It's like, okay, let me see if I can do this, you know. And from that moment on, it was, it wasn't like I I like I still would fight about like there were things if, if I didn't believe in something, is you know, everybody will tell you like, I'll give you real clear reasons why I don't believe in it, and I will fight to the death to not get it in there. But I also had collaborators who would match me in my stubbornness and sometimes i would get to the end of that conversation that the end of the 25th time i'm hearing this note and i'd say all right fuck it fine let me like let me take a crack at what you want me to to accomplish here in my own way and do it and come like you know what i kind of like this actually i think <laughs> actually i see what you were going for i see what you wanted I'm not, I can't give you that whole, I can't, I'm not going to give it to you that way, but I'll do it this way and I'll like it. And if it satisfies your note, it was just learning how to make sideways moves. I, I, it was, this was an experience in learning how to make sideways moves and just, but also I think like, especially as, you know, writers and directors transitioning from independent features to studio features, not losing your power there's a lot of power in ignorance and yes. not knowing how things are done. There's so much power in not knowing how things are done and people knowing you don't know how things are done. And, you know, you, you hope to get folks who are understanding and don't just say, all right, this guy's not, this guy's not a team player. He's, 
you know? And I was lucky. I had, right? I had a year to develop the script independent of the studio. And then when the studio came in, we did tons more development. But I at least had that year of, you know, learning a little bit of how to take notes. I didn't really learn until Warner Brothers came on. That's when I really, really, really learned about, you know, making sideways moves. Um, but it, it, it's, it's not easy, but it's fulfilling. And when you come away from the end result and you like the thing you made and yeah. you can see, you can see like the creative vision of your collaborators and what they were looking for and giving the movie that scope and commercial appeal that you sometimes were resistant to, but you found a way to accomplish in such a way that still satisfies you. And in some ways you like even more, you're like, okay, I get it now. Like now I know, you know, the next time how to, how to, as people say, take the note behind the note, because what they ultimately, like they say they want you to do that. And I, I know, and I'm sure like, I'm sure, you know, Joe, you're, you're gonna, you've heard that a million times, you know? And I used, I hear that note and I'd be like, that's some bullshit. You know, you just want me to, you just want me to do, you just want me to do what you want me to do. But when you're able to actually, I'd not treat it like bullshit, but I'd actually yeah. hone in on that and actually find the note behind the note. You can, you can, you can, you can make something better. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, that's that's a very cogent explanation of yeah. uh, how to deal with that situation, and it should be it should be excerpted for film school film students. Yes, because everybody should know about this. But the the only the only the only caveat to that is that. Sometimes they just want to pee on it, you know. It's right. it, they don't they don't really want to make it any better. They just want to be able to say they made you do this. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I was I was fortunate that I didn't have executives on this one. That where that was that was what was important. that's that's because I could never. I I was a, it was a true blessing. I I couldn't because I, I could never. I literally could never put something in there that went against that like, tr tr definitely went against my political yeah. you know beliefs and it'd be tough for me to put in stuff that went against my aesthetic went against my aesthetic no, you, beliefs. you can't or else it's not your movie it's not your movie yeah. anymore it, there was there was one thing i did that i i i fought them on and i lost that battle and I came to understand why it was necessary, and that's why I kept it in there, even though it does bump against my bump against my aesthetic beliefs. And that's the scene. It's a very it's so short, and I threw a fit, but it, they were, I understood what they wanted. Where you have Hoover, where you know we cut from O'Neill's interview, and he's talking about how Fred went to prison, and you cut to Hoover instructing the agents to basically find find a reason to get Fred off the street because he's getting too powerful having established the Rainbow Coalition. And it felt so expositional to me mm. to hear, to, to feel the need to hear Hoover say, Hoover give the direct order. But then I said, it, it does feel expositional, but at the same time, what I'm gathering, what I'm gaining from that is knowing that the direct order came from Hoover. Yeah. It didn't come from Agent Mitchell, yeah, yeah, it came which from is the top. Actually. And I was like, and that's powerful, that's important. Yeah. It's incredibly yeah. important. And I was like, even though I don't like how this flows necessarily, and even though I don't like how the expositional nature of it, that is worth all of those things. Yeah. You know? yeah and it's very quick and it gets it across. Um, I would say the one downside to your strategy is, of course, next time out, they're going to know you know what you're doing. So it's going to be harder to pull that part off. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But I mean, it's, it's like, it's like, the ignorance, the ignorance thing isn't so much, you know, you coming in like, I'm, I'm what I'm confused. You're not playing dumb right. as much as it's, as much as it's like, no, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? like, like, I'm not trying to please you. I don't need yeah. to please you. Why? 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 I'm not in the business of pleasing you, which is very different than being political, which I think you learn as a seasoned director, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just strength and just being like, fuck it. I don't, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. Uh, well, Chaka King, thank you, man, so much for joining us. Uh, we we're really, really excited to have you. Uh, the movie is Judas and the Black Messiah. It's on HBO Max. It's in theaters. If you're lucky enough to live in a place where there are theaters you can go to safely, go see it on big screen because oh, we didn't even mention once. It's a great looking movie. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, it really captured that kind of something. I want to sit down for a long conversation with a bunch of filmmakers about why 70s movies look like 70s movies. But you really caught that vibe. And uh, um, I don't need to ask if you understand what a compliment that is, because we've been talking movies. No, I thank you so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a fantastic film. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, continued uh, amazing luck. Uh, as you as you do all the uh, the award circuit fun and games, um, I think you're going to have a great time with that. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. This was, this was fun. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made. Stay safe out there, folks. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.